Acts, the, when the church was first formed in Acts chapter 2, it said in there that they, they fellowship with each other daily, breaking bread. And that doesn't mean they were having church every day. That means that they were being the church every day. And uh, church is not just an event that takes place on Sunday mornings between 10 and 12. It's not just something that takes place on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. This is an opportunity for us to be in, uh, you know, to learn something, to receive instruction, but we are the church. It's who we are. And so we can be the church on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And so this gives us an opportunity to connect with the body of Christ, connect with each other. And um, so I know I'm looking forward to it. If you have been in that back hallway, you're going to be looking forward to it because it smells awesome back there. Smoking, smoking pig has nothing on our back hallway right now. Just go ahead and Throw that out there. Um, but God's going to do some awesome stuff this morning. Turn with me to uh, Philippians chapter 4, if you will. Philippians chapter 4. Last week we began talking on the subject of grace, or not grace, peace. Peace. We were talking about peace uh, this month. And there's some things that, you know, we've got to learn if we're going to operate in peace. We said last week that peace is one of the things that. Uh, is probably the hardest for the world to grasp in this day and age. Uh, not very many people are at peace, and uh, not very many Christians and believers are at peace. Um, and we've got to understand the subject. We've got to understand uh, what peace is and how to operate in peace and how to get peace in our lives because the bottom line is, is we are the peace in the earth. We are the ones that to bring peace in this earth. We're the ones to review what peace looks like. And so here in uh, Philippians chapter 4, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So if we're going to talk about peace, then we have to understand the opposite of peace. And that's anxiety. That's anxiousness. Another word uh, for that is worry. And we saw this last week, you know, over in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives this great dissertation on what anxiety is and how to not operate in anxiety. He says, look, the world is worried. The world is concerned. The world is wondering, how am I going to get my next meal? How, I'm go- how am I going to, what clothes am I going to wear? How am I going to pay for the roof over my head? These are the things the world is chasing after. You realize that what you worry about and, and, and what you allow your mind to set on is what you go after. It's what they chase after. They are going after money. They're going after jobs. They're going after clothing. They're going after homes. They're going after friendships and relationships. And that's because that's what they're worried about. That's what they're thinking about. The word worry means to divide into two parts. We saw this last week. The word worry literally, mean, literally means to divide into two parts. That means that I'm not just focused on one thing. If I'm anxious, if I'm operating in worry, if I have anxiety about, about something, it's because my focus has been broken. My focus has been broken. Look what verse 7 says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is what positions you for the blessings of God. And when you operate in peace, it will literally guard your heart and guard your mind when we get in peace. 
It won't allow those things to no longer torment my mind. It won't torment my heart. Those things won't have access to me any longer. Worry won't have access because I am now focused on one thing. And that's God's word. We said this last week that peace is the result of aligning your thoughts with God's words. Say that again. Peace is the result of aligning your thoughts. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a position that you set your mind on. Colossians chapter 3 tells us that we are to set our mind on what? Things above, not on things on the earth. Well, whose responsibility is it to set the mind? It's ours. That's our responsibility. That's our job. And so we have the responsibility to set our mind on what God says in any given situation, not what the situation says, not what our flesh says, not what the doctors say, not what the bank says. We are to position our mind, focus on, set our mind on the word of God. When I can align my thoughts with God's word, I can align my life with God's word. See, your life is a product of what you think about. You've heard me say it many times. If, I, if you want to change your life, you have to first change your mind. Period. If I can't change the way you think about something, I can't change your life in that area. If I can't change the way you think about finances, I can't change your financial situation. If I cannot change the way you think about your health and your body, then your life won't reflect that. If I can't change your mind according to what God's word says, not just change my mind for the sake of changing my mind, change my mind and get it aligned, get it in alignment with what God says about that situation. So here's what I want to do this morning. Turn to Luke chapter eight. While you're turning to Luke chapter eight, I want to throw up the verse that we just read in Philippians chapter four in the New Living. I'm going to read it one more time in the New Living translation. Because look what it says here. Don't worry about anything. That statement right there (laughs) would lock up so many people. Don't worry about anything. You know, sometimes we feel like we're maybe fixing the situation by worrying about it, by being concerned about it. But God says the opposite. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. We said this last week, worry is temporary atheism. Anything you worry about, you're taking into your hands because you don't believe God can take care of it. When we worry about a situation, we are taking control of it rather than letting God take control of it. Rather than aligning our thoughts with his word on that situation. And Jesus said this, he said, who can even add an inch to their height by worrying? said tomorrow has enough worries of its own don't even worry about tomorrow the only thing we have to be concerned with is how will god take care of us today but the bottom line is he will do it don't worry about anything instead pray about everything the answer to worry is prayer why because if i can communicate with the one that has the power to do it the power to take care of it then my trust will be developed in him And I won't have to worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And don't forget this one. 
thank him for all he has done. We had a staff meeting last night and I did a little test with them. And I said, I want to hear testimonies, victories that are taking place in your life. Now, if I would have asked, does anyone have a need that we need to pray about? Does anyone have a need? Anything that you need God to show, man, hands would have been flying. But I asked the question, I said, I want to hear testimonies. Tell me what God's doing in your life. Tell me how God's been faithful. Well, that one's a little more difficult. I mean, you right now, you're thinking, man, what has he done? I'm going to tell you right now, in the midst of the greatest need is the time that you need to start reflecting on what he has done, not what you don't have. I tell people this all the time. You know, I I had someone text me probably a couple months ago now, and something serious had taken place in their life. I mean, very damaging. And, you know, they're, they're texting me, you know, what am I supposed to do? Or just letting me know about what happened in their life and the struggle that they're going through. And I texted back. I said, you need to get in your house. You need to turn everything off. You need to turn on some praise and worship music. And you just need to start worshiping God. Don't talk about the problem. Don't think about the problem. Well, Pastor Mark, that's insensitive. No, I'm talking about breakthrough. I'm talking about overcoming. There's a time for weeping and mourning. There's a time to grieve. But in that instant, in the moment of great destruction, that's the time to start worshiping him. That's the time to start praising him. Because bottom line is, he's still king. Bottom line is, he's still Lord. Bottom line is, he is still faithful. And he has been faithful. He's done far too much for us to just sit in the pain and the calamity that's going on in our lives. That's the time to start operating in some praise and start operating in some worship and start exalting him. This is the time. It says here that we're supposed to tell God what we need and thank him for all he's done. Look at verse 7 in the New Living. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. We said this last week, that word guard is a military term. That word guard is meaning that it's to give you the picture of soldiers standing around a city. See, when you're in peace, you're in expectation of a struggle. You're in expectation of something happening but the thing is is the peace positions you you ever heard the term let your guard down you let your guard down and that's when attacks get you peace doesn't mean attacks won't come it means they won't touch you it means they won't have access to you it means they won't move you when you operate in peace so let's look at this in Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at a story here that many of us have heard before. Luke chapter 8. And it says this. Now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. 
And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. One translation, one translation actually tells us that Jesus got out on the edge of the boat and said these words, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Verse 25, But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. So we've seen this story before. There is obviously a lack of peace in this situation. Twelve people on this boat are concerned for their lives. Many of whom were in the profession and the occupation of fishing. They, these guys know storms. These guys know uh, raging waters. These guys know what it's like to be out in the middle of the ocean and have a storm. So when they say it's bad, it's bad. But yet we got one man who, you know, isn't really one that goes out on the water as much as these other guys. And he's in the bottom of the boat asleep. He's sleeping. I mean, he's out. And there's some things that we can identify in this situation because you want to be the one sleeping in the bottom of the boat. You don't want to be the one on top of the boat panicking and wondering our lives are going to be lost. We're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our boat. What is going to happen to us? What's going to come of us? In fact, what's taking place is worry and concern, anxiety is starting to set in based upon an external situation. And so there's some things that I want to point out today out of this story that I believe are going to help us. Number one, if we go back to verse 22, Jesus makes this statement, let us cross over to the other side. Now, Jesus is obviously God in the flesh. Do you think he had any idea that there was a storm coming? I think he did. I think he knew what was coming. But Jesus makes this statement, let us cross over to the other side. Now, if he says we're going to the other side, then there's no other result that can take place. We will make it to the other side. Had the disciples gone back to God's word and says, now, look, I know that this storm looks really bad, but Jesus said we're going to get to the other side. He said, let us cross. So that means then that no matter what comes against us, we're getting to the other side. If he said, let us cross over to the other side, then no matter what happens in between here and there, we're getting there. We've got to reflect on God's word. That's why I said peace is the result of aligning your thoughts with God's word. But they didn't align their results with God's word. They aligned their thoughts 
with the storm. They align their thoughts with the rain. They align their thoughts with the weather. With what they saw taking place in the natural. And what is going to keep you in peace is your ability to reflect on God's word. Go back to God's word, even in the midst of something that is opposite of what God's word says. He says, let us go to the other side. And the storm says, you're not going to get to the other side. Which one do you believe more? I'll tell you right now, your level and knowledge of the word of God will determine your level of peace that you operate in your life. The level and the knowledge of God's word that I understand and that I know and that I reflect upon and that I meditate on and that I keep in front of me will determine the level of peace that I operate in. And if I'm lacking in peace, I'm probably lacking in being in God's word. I'm probably lacking in the time that I'm spending in God's word and how often I'm meditating on it and how much I'm understanding it and getting it in me. The first place I need to look is God's word. Number two, notice that this storm is showing up in the transition process. I mean, why didn't the storm show up on the shore? Or why didn't the storm wait until they got to the location? But this is exciting to know because the storm tells me something. The storm tells me I'm going somewhere. <laughs> the storm tells me that I have some place to be and this storm is trying to keep me from getting there. Storms show up in transition. Storms begin to show up when God says, okay, I'm moving you from point A to point B. And now a storm shows up. God says, I'm, I'm moving you from this job to this next job. And now a storm starts to show up. God says, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to change your pay grade. I'm going to change your location, where you move to. Uh, we're going to move your kids somewhere else. God is always moving us from one level to another. And those storms show up in the midst of the transition. Why? To keep you from getting to the next point. But if he said, let us cross over to the other side, then he means we're going to get to the other side. Regardless of what shows up in the middle of transition. And my ability to withstand the storm in transition will determine my ability to get to the other side. Because Jesus said, we're crossing to the other side. So don't get lost in transition. Secondly, notice that the storm, or thirdly, notice that the storm did not cease, did not stop, no matter how much the disciples panicked. No matter how anxious they got, no matter how much anxiety was built up within them, there was nothing they could do naturally to stop the storm. They needed God's power. Bottom line is, you need, to, you need God to show up in your situation. You need God's power to stop whatever's going on around you. They needed God's power. 
There was no amount of knowledge, natural knowledge, even as fishermen, even as people that are out on open waters all the time. There was nothing that they could do to stop this storm. They knew we've done everything we can to make it to the other side. If something doesn't stop this storm, we will lose our lives. We will lose this boat. We need God's power to show up in our lives. We need God's power to show up and halt the storm that's going on around us. But here's the thing. God doesn't respond to panic. But peace will get his attention. When you operate in peace, I mean, when you picture Jesus being awoken by his disciples, And getting up out on the boat. Do you picture someone in panic? Do you picture someone that woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, what what are we going to do? What what are we going to, and then he just tries something? He's just trying? Uh, 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 Peace, be still. And it worked? No, I picture someone that maybe was even a little disturbed that he was being awoken. That threw off the blanket and was like, really guys? And gets out on the edge of the boat, looks out with confidence and says, peace, be still. Knowing that at the sound of his voice, the storm was going to stop. He wasn't trying something. He wasn't throwing out a Hail Mary. He wasn't, you know, panicking. And, and, and you know, he didn't say this. God, stop the storm. Not only does God not respond to panic, your storm won't respond to your panic either. Your storm, whatever's going on around you, will respond to your authority and to your command that's presented in peace and in confidence that it has to come out. I have to come out of this. I will come through this. And I command peace to take place in the midst of this situation right now. Why? Because we've been given authority. Jesus was our example. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he transfers that authority and transfers that power to you and I. And now we are to operate in the same authority. Nothing controlled Jesus. Storms didn't control Jesus. Demons didn't control Jesus. Sickness and disease didn't control Jesus. Jesus was in charge Everywhere he went, when he gave a command, it happened. He even caused a fig tree to wither up because he operated in that much authority. Genesis chapter 1 tells us, uh, verse 26, that God created us and designed us to rule in authority and dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the entire earth. So he's getting up in peace. Not panic. He's getting up in a position of confidence, knowing that when I speak these words, this storm will cease. This storm will stop. Are we in panic or are we in peace? We've got to allow the peace of God to guard our hearts, guard our minds through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. 
I believe that Jesus' heart and his mind were guarded that evening. Number one, I know that he was asleep because he gave the word, let us cross to the other side, and knew no matter what comes against us, we'll make it. But then when he saw the storm, he knew this storm isn't going to stop us, and I can command this storm to cease. Peace may not keep the storm from coming, but it will get you through the storm. I don't know about you, but I want to start riding out some storms. I want to start coming out on the other side of some storms. I don't want to see storms stopping people. I don't want to see storms shipwreck people. I'm reminded of a story over in Acts chapter 27 where Paul was a slave. And he was on a Roman ship. And he was given a word that there was going to be a great storm that was going to come against them. God had an angel visit him and said, you need to tell them not to set sail. Well, the men didn't listen. The captain of the ship didn't listen. The owner of the ship didn't listen. The Roman centurion that was watching over the soldiers or or watching over the slaves didn't listen. And they set sail. But an angel came back to Paul and said, that's okay. Not one life will be lost if you listen to my words. And they were shipwrecked. The ship was torn into pieces. But every single man made it alive to the other side. You just need to have a resolve within you that I will see the other side. I will make it to the other side of this thing. And I will have peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the storm. Lastly, when the storms cease, when the storm finally calms, he turns to his disciples and he says this, where? Is your faith? Where is your faith? I'm confident in this that if I truly have faith in God and have faith in His Word, there's no way I can't be in peace. A lack of faith will result in absence of peace. If I don't trust in God and his ability to come through in my situation, I won't be able to be resolved to peace in my life. I mean, think about it. If I don't believe that he can come through, but yet I need his power in the midst of this situation, how am I going to be at peace? And that's when we turn to natural forms of trying to fix the storm. That's when we turn to our knowledge. That's when we try to turn to our ability. That's when we turn to a friend. That's when we turn to a bank. That's when we turn to uh, the doctors. When the bottom line is, he's had the power all along to come through and get me through this situation, period, every single time. He has all the answers I need. In our ability to turn to God, we have to believe that he can come through. Why is Jesus connecting a lack of peace with a lack of faith. I mean, I, I, I called it the dynamic duo. Faith and peace go hand in hand. And the better I can build up my faith, the Bible tells me that we've all been given a measure of faith, but we are responsible for growing our faith and developing and strengthening our faith. You don't have to pray to God to give you faith. You already have it. 
You have to develop it. You have to strengthen it. We've said it before. Faith is like a muscle. We all have muscles, but we have all developed them to a greater or lesser degree. And that's our responsibility. Well, how do I develop my faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith all, the Bible also tells me that my faith is developed as I use it. Your muscles don't just grow. They grow because you use them, because you develop them, because you put them to work. We need to start looking at storms as an opportunity to put our faith to work. See, some people hate the gym because they hate how the gym makes them feel. They hate sweating. They hate being in pain. But then there's other people that love the gym. Because they know in spite of the pain, I'm being strengthened. I'm being developed. And this testing, this pushing, this pulling is what's developing me to get the result that I want. Your faith operates the same way. And the better you can develop your faith, the more at peace you will be. Your confidence level In God and his word. That's why we started off by saying peace is a result of aligning your thoughts with God's word. Because faith comes by hearing. The more that I can get in God's word, the stronger my faith can get. The more I can get in God's word and apply God's word to my situation and to my life, the greater opportunity I have to see faith show up in my life. And that faith will move me to a peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that guards my heart, guards my mind. That means nothing can get in. No matter what I see, no matter what you tell me, no matter what uh, uh, people may say, I am not moved. I will not stumble. I will see myself through this storm because the peace of God that surpasses all understanding surrounds me, guards me, protects me. When you develop your faith in God, when you develop your faith in God's word, there's nothing that will move you off of it. We need an immovable faith. We don't need a faith that believes in faith as long as we're in church hearing the word. And then the second we get out there and we see something contrary to the word, we then start believing that. James called that a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. That is a mind divided into two parts. I worry when I get my mind off of God's word. When you look at the doctor report more than you look at God's word, worry sets in. When you look at the bank account more than you look at God's word, worry sets in. When I look uh, at how my children are responding and how my children are acting, rather than looking at what God's word says about my children, worry sets in. We don't need minds that are divided. We don't need minds that are split in two. We don't need minds that uh, are, are trying to focus on two different things. We need to get a mind that's focused on the word of God and only the word of God. It takes us back to the beginning of the story. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. God wants you to get to the other side. Whatever you're going through is just a sign that there's somewhere to get. There's somewhere else to be. 
there's something God's moving you. Many of us in this room, we are experiencing trials. We're experiencing tribulation. Uh, But God said this, Jesus said this, be of good cheer. He promised trials and tribulations, by the way. He said they will come. And then the sentence that follows that is, be of good cheer, for I, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. He's already overcome the situation you're going through. He's already got an answer for the situation you're in. He has already uh, given you uh, the outcome for the thing you just got into. God starts at the end and works backwards. A lot of times we act like God uh, is surprised at things that happen in our lives. But I'm going to tell you right now, God can never be surprised. God never has an oh no situation. God never makes the statement, what are we going to do? So now it's my position, my responsibility to become resolved within me that he will come through and to develop my faith. I encourage you this week, if you're in the midst of a trial, if you're in the midst of a struggle, get in God's word. If you can't think of anything that he's done in your life where he's been faithful, then start looking at what he's done in other lives. Because my Bible tells me that he's not a respecter of persons. And if he would do it for them, he'll do it for me. If he'll do it for Abraham, he'll do it for me. If he would do it for David, he'll do it for me. If he'd do it for Paul, he'll do it for me. I just have to do what they did. I have to position myself the way they positioned themselves. I have to align my thoughts the way they align them. Think about Paul and Silas in the bottom of a dungeon after having been beaten, arrested for doing the work of God. Sometimes trials and tribulations aren't a result of your stupidity. Sometimes they're just a result of just following God. But what did they do? At midnight, At midnight, started praising and worshiping, started singing. And the jail cells were open. They were set free. And it gave them an opportunity to save the life of another person. Saved his life both physically and spiritually. That jailer was ready to kill himself. Well, see, peace is not just about you. Who? can you minister to in the midst of your trial? But who are we missing out on ministering to? Because we only look inward in the midst of a trial. We say, oh me, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Look, it's happening to you because you're a believer. There's an enemy out there, that a thief that wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. But I know the person that came to bring life, and life more abundantly. That wants me to operate in peace, 
Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that doesn't make sense. Peace that seems ridiculous. Peace that looks crazy. Why are you so at so much peace? Why are you so resolved that this, that this situation is going to... Don't you see what they're saying? Don't you hear? Don't you see what's going on? We're all losing our jobs. They're shutting the company down. We, they're, they're not even going to be able to pay us anymore. Don't you hear what the doctor's saying? No, I'm resolved with a peace that passes all understanding that my God is going to come through. My God will show himself faithful. I've told him everything I need and I'm thanking him for all he has done. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. We resolve ourselves to operate in the peace of God. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Father, I thank you for peace that begins to envelop the lives of every individual in this room this morning. A peace that begins to move us to a resolve, to a confidence, to a faith and a trust in you that you will show yourself faithful. We do not operate in panic. We do not operate in grief. We do not operate in worry and concern, but we give it to you. And we walk it out with peace. We walk it out with an understanding that you will show yourself faithful. This test, this trial, this struggle is just another opportunity to show yourself faithful in our lives. Father, I thank you for the faith of every person in this room that it begins to be strengthened as we meditate on your word, as we focus on your word, as we set our mind on your word. It will rule and reign in our lives. We will not allow situations to dictate our motives, to dictate our actions, to to dictate our thought life. But, Father, we will allow your word to govern what we think and what we say and what we do. I thank you that your word reveals your faithfulness. Your word reveals who you are. Your word reveals your power. Your word reveals your ability to overcome any situation that we're in. And because of that... We operate in peace, the peace of God. We thank you for this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.